Take the time to love your life. We get caught up in all the busyness and all there is to do. You know, take the time to stop and smell the roses. Take the time to stop and give appreciation to somebody who's made a difference in your life. This morning, I had a lovely little conversation with the crossing guard, and I said, you know, thank you for spreading a little bit of extra sunshine in my day. Such simple things uplift our soul and keeps us feeling positive and hopeful for what can be possible for us and for others in the world. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 562. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here today, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to today's guest, Jennifer Lyle. Jennifer is an intuitive business mentor, and just in our pre-chat alone, oh my gosh, you really are intuitive. I mean, you can feel things from not interstate. How do you say between countries? I mean, you can feel things that are going on in my house. Around the world. Around the world. <laughs> energy, Thank you. Energy yeah. knows no boundaries. I have clients all over the world. Like I'm just outside of Toronto and I have clients in Mauritius, uh, South Africa, the UK, Canada, the States. Energy knows no boundaries. Oh, I love that. It really doesn't. I mean, and I want to share with the listeners, if it's okay with you, Jennifer, just Due to the transparency, I was sharing how um, my husband and listeners, you may have heard this already, my husband has been struggling and the kids are home and, and Jennifer just picked up on things that my husband has been struggling with without even me saying that he had been struggling with it, which is, I think is so beautiful. And I do want you to introduce yourself, Jennifer, but I want to share, I was reading either the purpose-driven life, I mean, my, my faith is really huge, but I also think beyond my faith, if that makes sense, because I know there's a lot of Christians who think that you can't think bigger, but I, I do. And I was either reading The Purpose-Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren or Spirit-Driven Success, and one of them was talking about gifts that people receive from God, and and I'm sorry, if this is going into a whole different direction, but one of the gifts was prophecy there. And there were a couple other gifts that really go into energy. And it was mind blowing to me because there's so many people, as I already said, who think, Oh no, you can't do that because that's against our faith. But yes, you can. It's right there. It's a God given gift. So. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, just last week, I attended this beautiful community circle, and I spoke around intuition and how your energy impacts intuition. And there was another person that is a, I apologize, I don't know the titles for the different types of churches. He's in the Presbyterian Church. I don't know if that'd be a father, a pastor, but Sir, anyways, he's I think a person. father is only Catholic. Catholic, okay. So I guess a pastor in the Presbyterian Church. Let's just and, go with that. Okay, we'll just go with that. And just his the depth and breadth of his background, like what he shared, was just phenomenal. And he addressed and and spoke to every single religion or, or perspective. And it really was not anything of a particular faith, but just something that's sort of 
a common denomination for all faiths, I believe, and all of humanity, I believe, in this knowing that we have, this connectedness to a higher power of whatever your faith is, and how as we tap into it, what can be available to us. And sometimes, you know, we go through life, he talked about this uh, satir, not method, but this uh, idea, uh, concept, where, you know, we kind of go through times in our life where everything's just meh, and then there's this complete chaos, and then where there's these extremes, ups and downs, and up and down, and then we get to a place where we're on that upswing. And it's something that is a pattern in all aspects of our life. So whether it's our personal life, our business life, our school life, uh, with our kids, with our parents, with our friends, whatever, these are patterns that we can see in all different areas of our life and how we tend to go back within to our own interconnectedness and our own connection to whatever higher power we believe in to find that faith to get back up on the upswing. And when we can recognize what this pattern looks like and know that we won't be stuck there forever <laughs> and that the chaos is like uh, a springboard for positivity and awesomeness. And I don't know, I was just fascinated how he was able to weave in so many different belief systems and different religions into this delicious conversation. So it was wonderful for me. That is absolutely delicious. I was also reading about how all those struggles that we go through are just refining us. And yeah. when I read that section that day, I think I put a post up on Facebook. It's like, with all these struggles, if it really is about us being refined, then dang, I'm going to be 23 karat. And I said 23, not 24 on purpose. But I said, I'm going to be 23 <laughs> karat gold by the time this, by this time this decade is through, you know? <laughs> well, think about all the pressure that a diamond has to go through to be formed absolutely and look how shining and brilliant it comes out on the other side absolutely well, now that we've taken a little bit of a, a verbal detour i would love if you would introduce yourself better well with more justice than i did for you to the listeners so they know who you are and how you got to where you are today Oh, sure. My honor. Uh, so I'm an intuitive business mentor. And what that means is I help entrepreneurs with tuning into the best version of themselves, awakening their intuition, believing in themselves, stepping into a high vibration, a positive mindset where they can really believe in themselves. One of my geniuses is tuning into the vibration of and the energy of ideas and what somebody's sole purpose is. So I can find an energetic match to different ideas and concepts. One of the things I find with a lot of entrepreneurs is that they are so creative and always have a ton of ideas, which is a blessing and a curse because you can get distracted by so many ideas and like make little tiny baby steps and like four or five different ideas and never actually make big progress. And what I'm able to do is to tune into the energy of these different ideas, your purpose, and then we prioritize them because as you start to look at them all in front of you, it's kind of like looking at puzzle pieces and you start to see that some of them form the edge or the foundation of the work that you're here to share and then other pieces kind of build on top of that so a natural sequence of events starts to lay out before you and once you start to put the pieces together that way starting with those edge pieces and then building in 
what you uh, see come together, you just are able to put that puzzle together in a much uh, easier way and then also serve people in a much brighter way. I've been working with energy since I was four years old. I just didn't know it. I started my business with a video podcast, actually, in 2008. Wait, hold on a second. I got to back you up. You started working with energy when you were four. I want to hear more. Okay. So let's go fast forward and then we'll go back. So when I started my video podcast, I wanted to just inspire people to be proactive about their health. And that was called Vitamin Junkies. I co-hosted and co-produced it for over 50 episodes with a naturopathic doctor in Toronto. And I just wanted to get advertisers. I was just wanting to make 30 grand a year, working part-time while my kids were at home. And unfortunately, I didn't believe in myself, so that just didn't come to fruition. So I gave myself permission to figure out what made my heart sing. And I was always the massage therapist for my family as I was growing up. And I asked my mom, you know, how did I get that job? And she said, well, when your oldest brother had his boating accident, he'd be lying down on the living room floor and you would rub his back. Well, everybody wanted a little piece of that. I'm the baby of seven, so everybody wanted a piece of that. So I ended up rubbing everybody's back. And fast forward back again to more current times, like around 2010, as I was giving myself permission to do some soul searching and figure out what made my heart sing. My uncle, my mom's brother, is an energy healer in Gibraltar. So that's on the southern tip of Spain. I've only met him twice in my lifetime. And I know he does energy healing and he sees spirits. And I remember calling him up saying, you know, what type of energy work is it that you do? Is it this Reiki? He's like, well, I don't know. It's just energy. And, and there's one in every generation. And he said, maybe you're one of them. And it was like at that moment, something clicked. It's like, oh, my goodness. I have been working with energy since I was four years old because I instantly just wanted to make people feel better. So I was always happy to rub people's backs. And while I was thinking massages, because that's what we thought of, I've been actually working with energy the whole time. As I gave myself permission to discover what I wanted to do when I grew up, I started discovering all sorts of different uh, spiritual tools. And one of them was automatic writing where I channeled different intuitive messages and including directions for my own modality called connect to you. And with that, I just drew stick diagrams. Okay, here's somebody lying down here. Follow this wave. That's how you move the energy from uh, just around their head, down their body. Do it this way. Now do it that way. And here's a guided meditation and go do a case study. And as I started doing that case study, it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm working with energy. So it all came together like that. Wow. Crazy. Uh, eh? It is. <laughs> Crazy awesome. I can connect to you on so many different levels, though. I don't know if you know, but I've been working to write my book, Chronic Idea Disorder, for three years now. Because that's what I call all those ideas. Yeah. And, and also the, the logo of positive productivity. I mean, the icon is a gear, a yes. cog. Mm-hmm. I don't know if cog's the right word, so I just always use gears. But throughout my own development, I can see how one gear is down at first, and there can be 18 other gears somewhere else in the line of sight, and they're all working individually. But when I can just focus on one and bring it in, then these two start working together. Yes. And 
and yes. maybe those two are working fine. And now I go and I work on the third. And now that one is creating even more. It feels, That's right. I mean, my husband's a video game designer. So I feel like it's like a little game where I just have to make sure that this one is functioning. And one of my mentors says, take one income stream up to $100,000 a year before you move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm still working on that just to be totally honest, but I get bored though. So I would love to know if there's something that you can recommend for when one of these gears starts, the interest starts waning. And it's not that I'm not interested in it, but I like variety. I like spice. I like spontaneity, you know? So I switch things up and sometimes it's painful because those gears never get finished. So they're still out here on their own, not really performing. Yes. So there's one thing is, I don't really like this word, but this is the word that's coming to me. It's a a bit of a disease of the majority of entrepreneurs is that we're more high level thinkers than necessarily the doers for all of it. Like we have our area that's our genius. And then once we get into the areas of things that are really not our genius, we don't really want to do it. So we'll take the idea as far as what our genius goes, but then either we need to bring somebody else into the fold and maybe we don't have the funds to bring the right person in or to bring a person in. So we shelve that idea. And then we move on to the next thing and we do the part that's our genius a little bit. And then we can get so far and then we shelve that idea. And then we go to the other So we're doing the parts that we like and we don't get into that kind of pushing our out of our comfort zone for what it is that we need to do to actually grow, which actually creates more momentum for all of the other ideas. So with being an entrepreneur, we're also our own boss. And then we're responsible for our own personal development. Like we don't report into somebody saying, okay, so what are your goals for this year? I think that you need to grow in X, Y, and Z. And maybe you should focus on this a little bit too. Let's send you out for some training courses and identifying what the the training is that you need. Actually going through with it because we're just so caught up with got to get stuff done, right? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm thinking about, okay, this is going completely out in left field, but I'm thinking about Santa Claus. Okay. It's like we need our own entrepreneur elves, you know, working in the workshop, creating all of our toys, launching them. Mm -hmm. Because, and the reason I use Santa, you know, I could just imagine he has an idea for a toy and he tells the elves to make it. And it's sort of the same for what you were just saying. You know, I'm the entrepreneur. I have this idea. It's its own version of, of shiny object syndrome. I have the idea. I start working on it and then I get distracted by another idea. So I start working on that. But if if I had my entrepreneur elves working in the background and on that note, I just want to put out there and Joe Fear and oh, dude, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. The co-host of Hustle and Flowchart podcast. They have been talking about this service called Gen M and I am not an affiliate yet, but I am just about to sign up with them. And this is, again, I'm not an affiliate, but you can get an, a marketing apprentice for just shy of $50 a month. And you can get up to 10 hours a week of work done by your marketing apprentice. So one of my ideas, one of my gears this year is I'm launching a Pinterest course, Profiting from Pinterest. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to bring on one of these apprentices to do all the research for me. 
Nice. Because if it were up to me, that wouldn't get done. And then the course wouldn't go out because I need that solid. I need the meat so that I can make the course as good as it's supposed to be. But I I don't want to sit there on Google for hours looking up all the stats. It's like, well, yawn. Well, here's the other thing, though, is that when we have a team to delegate to, we also become accountable. And we also have to get really clear and refine our idea because in order to delegate, we have to be able to effectively articulate what is the vision that they're helping to co-create so that they can do their component properly and effectively. So it means going deeper into the journey of really bringing this idea, this project to life. And there's something really juicy about going that deep and going into creating it. And there's also something about um, this thing of, you know, we want like instant gratification and then we move on. Like we want something instant and then we move on. Like we have great successes and then we don't even sit there and acknowledge the success and the progress that we're making. Do you know what I mean? Like there's this thing of always have to do more, do more. Okay. In your energy work, have you been like going into my brain while I've been (laughs) sleeping or reading my journal from, you know, around the world? Because I want to share a couple things with you. About a month ago, my sister rejoined my team. She had a baby about four months ago. She doesn't want to go work outside of the house. So there's work that she can do with me, which doesn't require client interaction. And and she's loving it. And she said, but you need to understand. And when I say rejoin, listeners, if you haven't already listened, go back to the beginning of 2019 and listen to a few episodes. There were some... I don't want to say drama. There was some stuff happening in my house that caused a little bit of a downslide at the end of 2018, but I'm rebuilding my team now. And she said, you need to understand it's not just your family now. Like, if you don't do what you need to do, then I can't get paid either. That was like huge for me to hear. I realized, oh my gosh, she's totally right. Like, in part of my mouth, I was like, I need to get shit done. So Mm -hmm. I actually made a GSD doc that I shared with her of the stuff that I needed to do that was important. But then I was in the shower two weeks ago and I realized GSD just doesn't feel good. And going back to what you were saying earlier, get shit shit done. Oh, okay. Like who wants to do shit? Mm -hmm. And I don't normally cuss on the podcast. So listeners, I'm sorry if I'm offending your ear, but I'm not sorry. So I was like, that just doesn't feel good. And I had a aha. I was like, you can't be calling this your GSD document anymore. You need to call it something else. How about prioritize purposeful actions? Nice. So that it's now my PPAs. I'm like, this is on my PPAs now. And it feels so much better because we can load up our task list with 50 gazillion quote tasks that we need to get done. But there's a difference between cleaning out my inbox and, you know, recording a solo episode because I'm the only one that can do the solo episode and somebody else can do my inbox. Mm-hmm. And does it really, it doesn't warm my heart to clean out my inbox. It mm-hmm. just doesn't. I love how you were talking about that earlier. Like, what do you want to do that feels good to you? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we fall into that rut of doing what we need to, to make money. And we forget about the fact that we don't have to. There are options out there. We can we can delegate to a low-cost virtual assistant. 
or like even in building my business, I was a Jill of all trades, master of none. Because when people discovered that I could do things, they just started asking and I was saying yes to everything, all Mm -hmm. their desires. But Mm -hmm. I realized there's just things I don't like to do and I don't want to do them. And I'm, I will either have somebody on my team in the future who can do those, but do I really want to manage those people? No. Or I can just refer them out. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that when it's something that's not our genius, think about how long that takes to do versus somebody who loves to do that and they take joy in it and how quickly they get it done. So if you can ask, pay somebody to do something in an hour and a half, it's going to take you three or four hours to do you're saving in the end, plus you're allowing, you're, you're freeing yourself up from our revenue generation tasks. Absolutely. Definitely. And I don't want to be sacrificing sleep for activities I don't want to be doing. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's a really juicy quote. Don't sacrifice sleep for things you don't really want to be doing. Yeah. I took a big step last night. I just need, I, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to pat myself on the back. I'm working on a client launch right now. And the client wanted to know when the whole campaign is going to be ready. And in the past, I would have said, Oh, I'll have that done for you tomorrow. Now. And I would have said that even if I knew that my calendar like today is completely packed. I know that that's not going to happen. Not only do I have a full day of calls, but my 13 year old has his first track meet tonight. So by the time I get home, I'm going to be beat. So I actually Mm -hmm. said, well, I can have that done by end of day Wednesday. And I didn't even really think before I sent them the text. But after I pushed send, I was like, oh, dang, is that going to be soon enough? Okay. Listeners that that's like 36 hours. Okay. 36 hours max that the client would have to wait. And in the past, I would have been like, oh, that's too long. They're going to hate me. You know, they're going to fire me because 36 hours is too long. He came back and he's like, oh, that's awesome. Let me know what I need to do to help you. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like we have a story in our head of how we think we need to respond to people. And we think that we have to put more pressure on ourselves. But really, we get to set the expectations. Is somebody going to die if the launch doesn't happen by Wednesday? It's like, why not push it out to Friday? If you deliver by Wednesday, your client is just over the moon happy. And if you're not able to deliver until Thursday, you're still beating the deadline. And it gives you a little more wiggle time to do things like sleep. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I just want to put this out there. The launch doesn't even start for two weeks yet. So wow. this is just all the, the pre-work. And in the past, we've been up to like the day before. So to have it done and to, uh, you know, by end of day tomorrow, it's still having it done two weeks earlier than we normally do. And that will feel so good. I would love to know what your thought is about deadlines. And I'm not talking about client deadlines, because to me, client deadlines are one thing, but personal deadlines are another. And I'd love to know your opinion on that. Deadline. So my background is actually in event planning. And I really thrived in that industry because there was a fixed deadline and things had to get done by that deadline, no matter because you were selling tickets, people were showing up for the event, and it just had to happen. When you don't have a target date that uh, is solid, and that can keep moving, it's almost like you sacrifice whatever it was that 
caused you to make that a priority in your life. And you allow other things to kind of creep in to the boundaries that you set. Like for each project, you need to set boundaries for yourself, for the project and knowing how much time a project takes. And if you don't have deadlines, I think that you are sacrificing the integrity of that project because you let other things distract you, right? That shiny object syndrome. So I think that deadlines are important for boundary setting, both personally and professionally. And yet you also have to ensure that you have a a solid relationship with time in order to set realistic deadlines that are not going to overwhelm you and actually cause you cause you more despair, cause you more problems. Like and don't pile on too many deadlines. Like you need to have this realistic relationship with time. Thank you so much for adding that last bit in. Because I used to set ridiculous deadlines on myself. Mm. And In 2016, I went through a major bout of depression that was caused by 18 months of sleep deprivation, Mm. sleeping two to three hours a night. But it was because I was a yes ma'am saying yes to everybody. I was setting ridiculous deadlines on myself. And when I missed my own deadlines, I was beating myself up. Mm -hmm. But when I came out of that, I, I did a bit of reading and I was introduced to Danielle Laporte. And I realized from that point on that when things happen, yes, it's good to have a deadline. But when things happen, they're they're supposed to happen. Yes. I mean, we can be too loosey-goosey, I think, with that. Mm-hmm. Because I could keep on putting off my book release for another decade just because there's always something else I want to do. Mm-hmm. But this year, like I have, I have two courses in my book on the horizon. But I'm giving myself reasonable deadlines. I want my first launch in the fall for the Pinterest course. And I have another course that I want to launch in the spring. And I feel good about that because that gives me six months for one and a year for the other. And then the book will happen. I'm actually going to put it out there. Listeners, you've heard me put it out there before that I wanted it written by the end of 2017, by the 2018. I want the first draft done by the end of 2020. That sounds good. Everything in retrospect, right? By the end of 2020, because then I'll have two courses under my belt and I'll have more meat to write the book on. And do you mind if I offer you something just as I tune into the energy of those ideas? Do you mind if I offer? It does feel like the book is further out. Those courses give you more traction than the book does. And it feels like there's content relative to the course development and the journey through that that you include in the book so it Mm -hmm. does feel like a natural fit for it to come that little bit later absolutely i mean the book is chronic idea disorder the entrepreneur's guide to conquering idea overwhelm so Mm -hmm. as i work through these two courses and actually see them get built and Mm -hmm. launched and out to the public and and actually working i mean just hitting those goals and achieving completion That will feel so good. And being able to write about that will be incredible. That's the most empowering part. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm a chronic interrupter, too. I'm working on it, though. I started writing, developing a course in 2015. And I was developing it for all the wrong reasons. And I'm sure you've seen with clients, we can build courses that feel good. 
or we can build them because we see other people doing them and think that we'll have the same success, but we have no passion for it, but we see other people having seven-figure launches, so we feel like we need to do something similar. And that's where this course in 2015 was coming about, or how it came about. And I say, I think it was called social media intensive or something, and I was going to teach people how to use all the different social media platforms, which I have no passion for whatsoever. Mm. And I started with Facebook, and Literally the week that I finished editing all the videos, including slides for the Facebook portion, Facebook redesigned their whole business platform. <sighs> so all my videos were basically obsolete because nothing was in the same place as I had just taught. Right. And my husband, thank goodness for him, he said, you sounded like that teacher from Ferris Bueller when you were recording those. He said it with love. I didn't take offense. Mm-hmm. He said did you have any passion for what you were talking about? I was like, no, not really. I'm just trying to make money. He's like, well, that's not a good enough reason. Mm-hmm. So are you creating from a place of authenticity or misalignment or comparitis? Now, completely alignment or complete nice. passion and alignment. Yeah, I won't, nice. I won't create anything. And I'm actually, I'm letting go of clients. I'm letting go of work. That is also not in the alignment now. And I believe as we, and I'd love to know your opinion on this too, I believe as as we begin and further our journey of working in an alignment, we build more confidence in ourselves and begin to realize what we will and will not do and what we expect for the work that we do do. Right. Absolutely. So it's just like an accountant. You wouldn't call your accountant to fix your plumbing. And we know that an accountant is trained to be an accountant. They specialize in that. But as entrepreneurs, we think that we have to do so much more within our general area of expertise. But when we can specialize in like, you know, forensic accounting or accounting for international businesses and we get really niche down, we actually have way more fun helping people make bigger progress rather than helping a whole lot of people make only a tiny little bit of progress. There's something that's so much more rewarding and it allows us to go deeper within ourselves to really pull out the big guns of of what we're capable of and tap into a deeper inner knowledge and, and refine, refine what we're here to offer, refine what we're, we're here to really do. Oh, I could give you a big hug for that. Love it. <laughs> I welcome it. I'll take it virtually. Thank you. Woo, received. <laughs> so I want to share. And I, for the past year or so, I was in a barter arrangement for coaching. And it was going really well. And I mean, it's still going well. I get my butt kicked when I need it. But the the return... I got a lot of work out of this arrangement. Let me just put it that way, outside of even what the barter arrangement was. So I made a lot of money outside of what the barter was. However, it's time to renew. And just two weeks ago, somebody actually said to me, and obviously all parties will remain nameless. Somebody said to me, Kim, if so-and-so, meaning coach, was not also your client, would the rate that you're charging be acceptable? Or would they be telling you, hell no, Kim, you need to double or triple that? And they didn't even give me a chance to answer. They said, they would say, hell no, you need to be charging more. 
Mm-hmm. And I had this huge, like, epiphany, for lack of a better word. This arrangement is not working for me anymore. Because even the outside work that I'm getting, I know that I, if I were to bring on that work myself, I would be charging three times more for it. So I could be taking on a third of the clients and be making just as much money, have more time for my family, mm-hmm. or be able to take on three clients Mm -hmm. And be making three times as much, but I wouldn't want to do that because this has been a really stressful year. And I, for a while, I was stuck in a scarcity mindset of, okay, if I don't continue this barter arrangement, am I going to lose this, all the other work that came along with it? And then, like, I heard the angels sing. It's like, why are you worrying about that? You already told yourself that you could be charging two to three times as much for the same work if you just brought in the clients directly. So why are you worrying about losing that work if you cut out the coach and barter arrangement, which you're not even being paid appropriately for? How do you help your clients when they're going through scarcity mindset? Like, Do you have any exercises that you take them through? I don't have any specific exercises that I take them through because each person is working through it from a different perspective. What comes up for me as I listen to you is in my own journey of wanting to do exchanges, it came from that scarcity mindset. And now I don't do that, but there are people that I want to work with and that I know want to work with me and we pay each other. And then we're paying each other what we're worth. There's just something emotional that comes along with actually seeing the money leave your account. There is. Yeah. And there's also something really emotional about receiving it as well. Absolutely. And knowing that you're worth it. So to be open to receiving, there is a concept around relating to money just as an energy rather than as something that is, I don't want to say evil, uh, but there's a lot of negativity related to it. And sometimes it comes from the way that we were raised. Sometimes it can come from words that have been spoken to us throughout our career. Oh, you'll never be good enough. You'll never, never amount to anything. Or, and I don't know if you're open to this, but also I I pick up on things from other lifetimes as well. And sometimes those other lifetimes, like there's something called epigenetics. And that's a scientific term that talks about how not only do we have our DNA passed on from previous generations, but we also have the energy from previous generations passed on. So if like for five generations, the family's all been really poor, somebody's got to step up to the plate and break that cycle in order for future generations to not have to suffer through that energy and that lesson. So sometimes there's the epigenetics from the previous lifetimes that are coming into play. Whoa. Whoa. I, I got to share with you, my grandfather dropped out of school during the Depression to help support his family. And he never went back to school. He and my grandmother had five kids. And I know, well, my grandmother was born in the 20s, 1920s. So wasn't traditionally a generation where the woman would be working outside of the household but she did to support the family. My mother and my father divorced when I was three, and my mom struggled a lot. And I realized in the last six months that I carried on 
her spending habits. Money comes in and it goes right back out again to make sure that nobody else spends it. Mm. And that was, that's been something that my husband and I have been talking a lot about is when we receive large sums of money, we need to be more mindful about how we're spending it. Just because it's in our account doesn't mean it needs to go. And even just this year, just in 2019, I mean, we're, we just crossed into April and listeners, I don't normally like to date things, but I want to just give you an idea. I mean, we changed, we together made a 19 for 2019 list. Mm -hmm. And part of that was a savings goal. And we're hitting it because we don't want to be in that, that scarcity mindset anymore of, oh, if we don't spend this money, then somebody else is going to. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's that's huge i have a little tea canister on my desk i shouldn't be Mm -hmm. putting this out there but even whenever we go to the atm just and we don't go to the atm a lot but just taking out an extra 20 or 40 and putting it in the canister and knowing that there's just a little bit of money that we have Mm -hmm. is a complete shift from where we have been for the let me think nine years that we've been together because we've always been in a place of disconnect notices. Right. So now you're allowing yourself to be in a place of abundance. Yeah, we're not enslaved by money anymore. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important term for you, enslaved by money. And that feels like it goes back even to way previous generations when there was more slavery. And it feels like a time when even you were part of those slave drivers and like, cracking the whip and it's like how dare you how dare you disrespect me how dare you not show up for me how dare you not come up why would you dare talk back to me there's something about that and as you are growing and having your team that feels like something you'll be processing as well this sort of enslaved by by money and earlier you also talked about Danielle Laporte And I heard her speak a couple of years ago at an event in Toronto called the Archangel Summit. And she talked about this email that had circulated throughout the team. It was like the FU email where her business had gotten to be so big and overwhelming that they had to generate more revenue, more revenue and more revenue just to keep this machine going. And she's like, how on earth did we get to this place? How can we simplify this? And this is something that really sits with me as well as I envision how I want to grow and expand. And what is that sweet spot where it feels like it's fun and not overwhelming and unmanageable of where I can come to creating my business? So I'm bringing abundance for me and for my team members serving my clients abundantly and not coming into this place of, oh my gosh, how am I going to keep paying like all of these extraneous bills to keep this machine running? So in being on the other side of it, the slave driver and still being enslaved by money. So there's a real big, there's two sides of the coin there to be on the one side of it for, you know, feeling like you don't always have enough. And then even being on the more abundant side of it and getting tripped up by the same conversations because you have so many more people and more things that you're responsible for. So what is that sweet spot of where you can just be joyously and loved with life and with money? And I really believe that that term that word of joy plays a key part of it yes i have to tell you that in 2018 or 2017 
I thought my goal was to build a team of 80, 80 digital marketers, virtual assistants, and it would grow into like a three to $10 million business by the end of 2019. But I was only doing it for the money. Mm. And then I realized, no. Number one, I love connecting with my clients, whether it's in a group program or working on one-on-one. I love connecting with them. I love the conversations. And number two, I love connecting with my team members. I mean, I know their kids' names and their spouses' names, and I know where they live, and I I need to be better about birthdays, to be totally honest. But I love the one-on-one connection. So as as the year went by last year, I realized, number one, I don't want to have to hire project managers because I cannot manage all this. Number two, I want the connection. And number three, I am just fine with a team of max 10 where we stay small and that stress is not here. Because with a team of 80, we could easily dig ourselves a big money pit, just like you were saying with Danielle Laporte. It takes a lot of money to keep all the systems. I mean, when you're looking at Gmail alone, every new person that you add to the account, I mean, that's another expense. And every single software, and that's not even talking about what they get paid. That's just mm-hmm. talking about the, the cost of having them on all of our systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you love to work with your clients? Mm. I love doing one-on-one mentorship. And I'm also launching for the first time an in-person mastermind. So I've done a virtual mastermind for the last couple of years. And now I'm doing an in-person mastermind. I'm finding that there are a lot of people who are craving that in-person connection. There's just something different about the dynamic of the group when you're able to connect in person. So tomorrow I'm doing starting my in-person mastermind. I'll also have a virtual one to um, complement it. But I love working with people one-on-one. And then I have some other programs that are sort of introductory programs to help people with just starting their conversation of going inside and understanding how they're showing up in the world to be prepared to go a little bit deeper. Showing up is key. It is. It is. And you know what? There are, we're never going to be a 10 out of 10 every single day. It just isn't possible. It's just like, we can't only exhale. The waves can no, can't only come up on the shore. They have to rescind. We can't have only sunshine. We have to have our up and down days, but to recognize what are the patterns that we have. I talked about earlier that satire theory where there's like kind of eh, days, those really chaotic up and down and then that upswing where are you in that cycle and how do you minimize the extremes of that up and down so that you can take responsibility for how you're showing up rather than just showing up by default running all the time huge just huge you know there's so many conversations like this one that I wish I would have had three years ago but I realized that I wasn't in a place three years ago to understand the conversation. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's even things that my mentor was telling me two years ago. And then it wasn't until just like six months ago that somebody else told me the same thing that I was able to finally accept it. And she's like, yay, finally, you know. (laughs) Absolutely. My husband says this to me all the time. He's like, I told you that two years ago. And I was like, I know, but I wasn't ready yet. 
Yeah. I just wasn't ready. I mean, straight, and and I'm going to go back to faith for a second, but straight into the Bible. I mean, Joseph, seven years of feast followed by seven years of famine, and it was how he prepared during the feast that prepared him for the famine. It doesn't need to be famine, but we have Mm -hmm. to get the ducks in a row, including our mindset in order to get through those downtimes. And I still struggle with that sometimes, but I'm working on getting out of that. Jennifer, I have loved every moment of our chat today. Where can listeners find you online, connect, and get to know more? Awesome. They can visit my website, com, And if they're interested in taking responsibility for how they're showing up and wanting to be more mindful of their energy. I do have a beautiful free seven day energy transformation exercise and uh, that lands in their inbox and they can subscribe to that through J L Y A L L dot com forward slash energy. Fabulous listeners. Those links will be in the show notes, which you can find at the Kim Sutton.com forward slash PP five, six, two. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you'd like to offer to listeners? Yes. Take the time to love your life. We get caught up in all the busyness and all there is to do. You know, take the time to stop and smell the roses. Take the time to stop and give appreciation to somebody who's made a difference in your life. This morning, I had a lovely little conversation with the crossing guard. And I said, you know, thank you for spreading a little bit of extra sunshine in my day. Such simple things uplift our soul and keeps us feeling positive and hopeful for what can be possible for us and for others in the world. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.